Scouts is so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kicking a rhyme. Talking about music all the time. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, indeed. It's another episode of Kick the Jukebox. I'm Louie Perlman. And I'm Kyle Gordon! <laughs> Kyle, you're coming in hot. Coming in steaming hot. <laughs> Just came in from the cold, now I'm piping. There's a little steam coming off me. Yeah, you're wearing a nice little wool cap. Oh, yeah, this is a new... Uh, I'm wearing hat. I'm wearing uh, a little beanie now. Or, uh, for Louie, I'm wearing a... <laughs> Good for you to know that word. You're Thank so you. culturally sensitive. Yeah, it's very exactly. Nice. Yeah, I didn't want to offend you. No, yeah, no, I'm not offended. Yeah, toque is what we call hats in Canada. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> a hat, or as it's known in Canada, a toque. Yeah. No, but I am really wearing a toque. Right? Would you yeah, call this that's a toque? A toque? Yeah, Absolutely. This is, this qualifies as a toque. Yeah, no. It's it's pretty dope. It's good. <laughs> so Thanks. we're we're broadcasting from the new um Kpis, uh, dot fm, which is um now out of an RV. It's perfect. And, and I it's think great. it's very uh I think this this fits our aesthetic pretty well. Oh um, yeah, it's this, awesome. This is like a forty-year-old uh, RV. Yeah, it's a seventies uh, RV with like shag carpet. Yeah, it's exactly. Br- it's very brown. Yeah, there's very a wonderfully brown. taxidermied um, raccoon in the corner looking at us. Yep. Yeah. Right in the eyes. Yeah, right in the eyes. So no, no, no. It's it's awesome. It's really really great. Perfect. Yeah. This yeah. is uh this like really looks like my grandma's old house. Oh, really? Yeah, very similar. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. My father's mother. Yes. You're, oh, not your mother's. You're just trying to specify? Yeah. For Actually, any it probably looks like their old house, too, but I never saw the <laughs> old one. But. Yeah, no, it's it's it feels very nostalgic, and our show feels nostalgic. Yeah, in a lot of ways, we like to dig in the crates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this show, uh, we talk about music and albums that we love. That's what we do. Yep. Mainly, we do stuff from, you know, it's old. Yeah. Usually, it's at least 30 years old. Yeah. That's the way it feels. But sometimes, we'll really uh, kick it, uh, you know, play something for the kids from... Um <laughs> the like, 90s yeah exactly <laughs> play something for the kids for like millennials who are feeling yeah like, nostalgic but i don't even think th- what's the like most re- recent uh song or thing we've covered the most recent thing we've covered or, or the 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 thing we covered that is most recent the thing we covered that is most recent i think was a song from like 2016 2015 that was that dark wave song that i brought in oh yes yeah, that's yeah. that's really for the kids and and then then you did the that uh the monkey song but, oh yeah and but that that's... was that was <laughs> the most recent but it was a monkey song yeah exactly so I've, i ruined myself. i think that's a real uh that's a, a um very indicative of our attempts to uh contemporize connect, uh, contemporize yeah. is just the most recent monkeys christmas release oh my gosh <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah yeah i mean y'all are lucky this isn't just a monkeys radio show quite yeah. frankly yeah y'all are lucky <laughs> yeah <laughs> you we came this close but but <laughs> speaking of the monkeys uh what do you listen to right now because uh you brought in a song that has some connections to the monkeys uh so i think i know it. the connection you're talking about but yeah. um yes yeah, so i brought in this song by the four tops called bernadette uh it's a song i love for a long time but actually uh inspired by our last episode which is a dexie's midnight 
we uh, talked about the first Texas Midnight Runner song, which and is then such a good record. It was so fun, and listen one of to that, my all time episode. Yeah, if you haven't listened to it. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, get out there and listen to yeah. it, and listen to all of them. Yeah, um, cue it up on your on your phone box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cue, uh, dot, tune in to Capus.fm and listen to the oldies. <laughs> uh, but. Um, yeah, and then we were talking a little bit about Northern Soul, and I was just kind of going back and getting into old, uh, you know, getting into you know sixties and seventies soul records, and uh, and then also you know when I go to shop for vinyl, um, I'd like to f- be more. Com- I realize I'd like to be more comfortable in the soul section because there's just a lot I don't recognize. Um, uh, in the in the same way that I feel like in the rock section, I, I th- there's very little that gets by me. Whereas in the soul section, I feel like I uh, I'm not jumping as much. So I've been kind of listening to older soul records, and uh, you know, four tops were huge in the northern soul scene. So my my interests and my desire to learn more converged, and I've just been sort of listening to old four tops records. Awesome. Um, and there's a they, I mean they're amazing, and I've actually really loved listening to um even after their heyday in the 60s they had some records that came out in the early 70s that were amazing uh in particular nature planned it um this was post uh so they you know for four tops for those who don't know they are like the golden era of motown uh these are your guys and um so this song just to get into it this song called bernadette from the album reach out yeah and uh, should we play it? Yeah, yeah. One thing I'm just going to note is I'm going to play it starting in the middle. Okay. Because this song has a very famous false ending. Yes. So I want everybody to listen out for that false ending. So here's Bernadette by The Four Tops. Bernadette by the Four Tops, right here on Kick the Jukebox. Yeah, Kick the Jukebox on Kpis.fm. So, Kyle. Yeah. First of all, that uh, <laughs> that false ending is amazing. Gotcha. Yeah, you think Bernadette. Yeah, you think the song's gonna be over, oh, but then classic. always you know, fun. Uh, it happens again. <laughs> There's that famous uh, John Mulaney bit about uh, the uh, Tom Jones song that he. Um, uh, isn't it What's New Pussycat? Yeah, and what's put new it on pussycat? over and over again? Yeah, yeah. and it has the fa- another false ending. So that's right. People, it, people thought it was. Uh, it, he played it many times in a diner, and people thought, uh, "You, you all know the bit." But yeah, uh, <laughs> false ending. So what drew you to this song? Why, why this one? Uh, their four tops have a lot of amazing songs, including on this album "Reach Out," which Reach is out. so gorgeous. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Why this one? So. Uh, a lot of things. So I think probably they have a number of big, beautiful songs that, especially even on this album, that are like uh, worldwide huge hit classics, number ones. Yeah. Uh, Reach Out being one, Standing in the Shadow of Love. Oh, not on this album, but uh, I'll Be There. Um, these are standards. Uh, and, and and weren't they all written by the same songwriting team? Yeah, Holland Dozier Holland. Yeah, Holland and, Dozier Holland. And they they were like the songwriting team during the golden era of um, Motown in like yeah. the mid '60s, a lot for the Supremes. But I think the best songs they wrote went to 
the four tops in a lot of ways, and um, and they also had um, this. Well, th- there was there's a lot to love about the four tops. They I think one. Uh, I think they were they they all had great voices, especially Levi Stubbs, the lead singer. Yeah. Um, but it, sometimes, like soul and R and B, the the vocals can get a bit indulgent, like the vocal version of a guitar solo, which I think you and I, uh, w- we like it when it serves the song, but sometimes it could be a bit indulgent. But I feel like the Four Tops never did that. Yeah. And, um, hearing that like lead baritone voice is so. I mean, it just hits so hard and it's not too like saccharine sweet which i like uh in certain music which we'll get into but not (laughs) not not necessarily in like soul music all the time um but this song also too it just it just hits as hard and it was a hit but i think it's sort of been a sort of forgotten classic a little bit it's not as well known maybe as some of the other four tops and even holland dozier holland songs yeah because the supremes in a lot of ways who holland dozier holland wrote um all of their hits as well yep uh, they sometimes can kind of overshadow. Yeah, uh, yeah, but and I think the four tops in general, maybe they, they I feel like because there were not, you know, Di- the Supremes had Diana Ross. The four tops had Levi Stubbs, and he was big, but it's not. Even, he wasn't like a sex symbol like no, Diana Ross was. He wasn't yeah. a sex symbol. He wasn't. Um, he wasn't as big of a personality, and also they famously stayed in Detroit even after uh, Motown left. So mm-hmm. um, I think, I mean, they were a huge act, but they just didn't, I just don't, they, they don't occupy the same space in terms of mainstream culture that many of the other Motown uh, artists do, or even the male groups. Um, yeah, like the Temptations, Temptations, who I think they're compared to a lot. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, where we still kind of hear those songs used in commercials and stuff, and I feel like that's a little less the case with the Four Tops. Yes, you know? agreed. Um, but that, uh, and then also, I, I, I think uh, I've been, you know, I, I recently made a playlist for my girlfriend to try to like get her into the music I like. Yes, and this was on we ta- there. We talked about that last. Time. I know. Did, did I knew she like this song. She loved this song because yeah, it's the best. Because <laughs> it's the best, and also she loves Little Shop of Horrors, and Levi Stubbs is the voice of the plant. I didn't know Levi Stubbs plays the voice of Audrey too. Yes, in Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. But that makes a lot of sense. Yes, yes, yes. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the only other thing I want to say about this song that I don't think we've talked about yet uh, is just that, like, his vocal delivery is just really impassioned. Oh my god! I think it brings the song. The song is well written, but I think it brings it to a very emotional level. That is what makes it work so well. You know, and also like that false ending, that false ending was quite innovative for the time, but could be looked at as cheesy uh-huh. or sort of gimmicky. Uh-huh. But I think he sells it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think Levi Stubbs really sells it, and I love that about it. Yeah, because he was so, his voice was so raw. I mean, he was a talented vocalist, like technically, but it was also so raw. Yeah, and you have that spirit that you need in like good soul music. Um, and yeah, and I think what you were saying, like he, he, the the passion that he brings to this song, is 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 so needed because he's really pleading for this woman. And one thing I noticed lyrically, I may be, uh, I may be overstepping here, but um, <laughs> but I think it's kind of a progressive message in that he's pleading to what seemingly his girlfriend Bernadette cuz she seems to be with him and she's saying don't leave me for all. he seems to be saying don't leave me for all the other guys that are like lusting after you 
and then he says like all these guys just long to control you uh but how can they control you when they can't even control themselves and then also he says uh you belong with me and i thought that was a good distinction from you belong to me absolutely uh especially when he's completing comparing himself to guys that want to control her so I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's sort of what was happening in 60s songwriting at the time is there was a real equalization happening between the sexes. Yeah. You know, even a song, I feel like you could compare that to something like the Beatles writing We Can Work It Out. Yeah, Which yeah. is very much about we need to have a conversation about this. Right. As opposed to, you know, you are mine. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah, it's it, it, an interesting time for that. Yeah, definitely. And this seems to hit the nail on the head. I'm sure someone, uh, you know, write in and you can probably find me 10 four top songs that maybe doesn't uh, aren't as progressive but oh of course yeah. <laughs> but this one is and that's this really one cool. is yeah yeah oh well thanks for bringing that in yeah, yeah. it's nice to give it a l- i haven't listened to it in hey, a while thanks for listening oh my pleasure <laughs> and thanks everybody at home for listening as well yeah oh <laughs> Um, but I think uh, you brought in a song as well. and No, uh, I brought in no more songs. Okay, well, that about wraps it up <laughs> yeah. here, everyone. We're, we're 15 minutes into the broadcast. Hit the road. Yeah, okay. So this is a song by a band from L.A. from the mid-60s called The Standals, and it's called Try It. And I just want to listen to a little bit of it. And be forewarned, it is a sexy, sexy song. <laughs> here we go. Okay, so that's the first verse and chorus of Try It. Uh, it's from 1966. Mm-hmm. And uh, the standouts for like just a little bit of a background on them. First of all, they're considered really like, they've been nicknamed the 1960s punk band. Yeah. And I think that's kind of interesting. I think they're actually much more rock oriented. I mm-hmm. wouldn't quite call them, you know, there's other bands from the time that I think really laid out the template for punk more. Like I'd, quote the sonics yeah so you might yeah you know who are just so like rough and aggressive right and i'd say the sonics much more than uh even the everyone says the mc5 but i think the sonics much the the garage sound more than because the the mc5 were like uh they were i think they were closer to like a hard rock band like 70s hard rock yeah i would agree with that then garage you know i think yeah exactly i think the garage and and i think this is closer than that too but yeah this is a little closer because of how aggressive it is i think but and the the vocal delivery vocal delivery as well yeah the orchestration is uh really really nice and and the production is tight on it and you know these guys were a very polished la band Here's a little tidbit that's kind of fun. They were formed by uh, keyboardist Larry Tamblin, who is the brother of actor Russ Tamblin. Ru- uh, who's Russ Tamblin? Russ Tamblin. <laughs> <laughs> Russ Tamblin was like a '60s actor. Really? I could I could look him up if you want. Uh, um, and and uh, yeah. isn't, who's who's uh, David Cross's? Who's Tam- there's another Tamblin? Uh, um, Amber, Amber Tamblin. Tamblin. Yeah. Uh, who I think is another one of the Tamblins, might be a daughter is, or is something. Is that, yeah, wow, we're learning, I didn't know that. I'm getting out, yeah, Russ Tamblin, he, uh, he was in, uh, Peyton Place. 
Oh. He was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Peyton Place. He was in yeah. Tom Thumb, <laughs> <laughs> High School Confidential. Yeah, and uh, his daughter is Amber Tamblin. Oh so my god! Famous Hollywood family. <laughs> wow, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, and these guys were most well known for singing "Dirty Water." Which is the Boston sports anthem, the official oh, Boston sports anthem. Okay. And it's a really good song. And it was written by one of their producers, and they had never been to Boston. Really? They sang it. <laughs> but they certainly have been back there since to I, play it at stadiums. Yeah, once you get a song uh, played at a Boston stadium, you're kind of set for life, but also, hey, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so. <laughs> So this song... Ask Neil Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. My, my, is my agent Mort Saul here? <laughs> Ask Neil Diamond. He'll tell you it's not worth it. Don't write a song if it's too fun in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it's too fun in Boston. Now you have to be there for the rest of your life. Oy. So um, this was written by the songwriter who we're focusing on this this week whose name is Joey Levine, who is my most favorite songwriter of all time. Cats out of the bag. Yeah, cats out of the bag. That's what we're talking about for the rest of this broadcast. <laughs> and I even co-opted my like song of the week to talk about Joey Levine a little bit because I really think that he, as a songwriter, made a lot of diverse contributions to like yeah. the 60s songbook, the mm. 60s pop music songbook. Mm -hmm. And he's really only, well, he's not only well known, but you know, when people think about him, if they think about him at all, they think about the song Yummy, Yummy, Yummy by the Ohio Express. Yes. Which is very often voted like one of the worst songs of the 60s. But by who? Is yeah, by idiots. <laughs> uh, it's no, a, but I think it's, it's a, a great song. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, not to, but just like I think, and we're gonna get into this. Yeah. It's just I think the place of bubblegum in pop culture, um, one, uh, wasn't always respected. Two, I think is shifting, and yeah, I think it's shifting because of blokes like us specifically, yeah. actually, and also yeah. the the great. Uh, well, it it has been shifting, but the many, um, like I, I think really respected. Uh, people in very uh, in uh, across pop culture have been influenced by this music and yeah. culture. Uh, so I mean, you can't ignore it when people you think are cool think this stuff is cool. That's a really good point, yeah. and it's true that it has had a cachet of cool. Yes, for a long time right. by some really interesting arty people. And, yes. and we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just just to finish up with this song, just because this is going to segue sort of into the Joey Levine story as told uh, by, by Louis Perlman <laughs> for like the umpteenth time. So it was considered, this song was considered too sexually suggestive by the Texas radio mogul Gordon McClendon. <laughs> and he banned it. And oh, then a bunch no. of other stations across the country banned it as well. And then the band was um, invited to debate with him on the 1967 TV show House Party. What? And apparently they kind of schooled him. Really? And I, I'd love to see some footage of this. I'd love to find some footage of this. So they schooled him, but like by that time it had just been banned for so long. It was an old record. So it didn't get, you know, it didn't get any airtime after that. That's the like precursor to uh, uh, like uh, Jello Biafra on... Uh 
uh, of debating Tipper Gore on uh, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, that, that, that. Hey, D. Snyder could never have gotten in front of Congress had it not been for this. Yeah, uh, for the Standells. There would have been no Twisted Sister if it had not been for the Standells. Um, if the Standells hadn't said, "We're not gonna take, take it. it." Oh boy. So, <laughs> yeah. So this song ended up being uh, kind of a little underground and sort of have this notorious right and it's a shame because it's was they were banking on it being sort of the follow-up hit for you know dirty water and mm-hmm. then it just didn't happen yeah and joey levine was influenced by dirty water when he wrote this for the standals uh, and by the time he wrote this he was already writing and was already in a band and was doing a whole bunch of work for the song factories in new york yep. at the tender age of uh i think he was, I uh, was 17, 17 was when he yeah. wrote this. Yeah. yeah. Um, bec- so, and so let's get into this here. So Joey Levine, he comes from a musical family. Uh, his dad, Eli Levine was a band leader in the army and his mom, Marion Clint, uh, Kingsley was a singer uh, with a radio show when she was 16 in NYC. I learned this from one of the two interviews I've ever read with Joey Levine. Really? Yeah. One of them is from uh, WFUV. Mm -hmm. And the other one is by me when I interviewed him in 2010, 2011 for a magazine article that I wrote. Wait, and And what was it? What magazine was it? It was Elmore Magazine, which is a music magazine. And it was... uh, at the time that Joey was playing with Ron Dante from the Archies for yeah. a bubblegum show at BB Kings. Oh. And I got to interview him and we like use like two quotes from Joey Levine <laughs> in the article. And I interviewed him for like an hour. <laughs> and it was a, for- it was a formative experience. It was a formative experience as me as a creative person. It r- really felt like he was interested in talking to me. I think he felt like, I was asking questions that he normally doesn't get asked. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he's, it's interesting. I think he's somewhat reclusive. I Hmm. think that he really has always been behind the scenes and that's what he likes to do. Hmm. Although he was clearly having fun when I saw him perform. Yeah. Which, and I will say for me, it was one of the best shows of my life. Wow. Like it was just like real rock and roll and it's my favorite songwriter and he was just really having a good time. That's amazing. Yeah, with like the four songs that he sung that night. It was great. Well, not to get too ahead, maybe he just, uh, you know, maybe he was able to have fun because he doesn't perform so much. So like the thing of like, you know, he doesn't have to constantly be recharging his battery type I, of thing. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not how he makes his living, and it's mm-hmm. a fun thing for him to do. So he was he was a, a young man when he was writing, you know, sort of these garage rocky songs. He was in a band called The Third Rail mm. that was with um, Artie Resnick and Artie Resnick's wife, Chris Resnick. Mm. Artie Resnick is, is well known for writing Under the Boardwalk. Yes. And they uh, sort of did kind of light um, psych, I would call it, songwriter psych. Mm -hmm. And uh, he attracted the attention of super producers, Jerry (laughs) Kaznitz and and Jeffrey Katz uh, of Buddha Records uh, and K&K Productions, Kaznitz and Katz Productions. From now on, we'll probably refer to it as K&K. Yeah, K&K, yeah. Yeah. and 
they really liked Try It, and they did a slightly toned-down version of it that the Ohio Express recorded. Right. And then they said to him, we have this concept for music that is for, they called it like teeny bopper music. Hmm. They wanted it to be music for younger kids. Mm. And it was because pop music at the time was getting a little too advanced for younger audiences. Right. And in, in the interview, the WFUV interview, something that Joey says that I think is really funny is he says, people needed records to listen to that weren't as hooey. <laughs> <laughs> you know like, like who he as the who yes as yeah. the who just right stuff that was a little less complicated that you right. could dance to right so what there ended up being is this genre of music called bubblegum music which really was basically a throwback to old school 50 style rock and roll for yeah. kids and it was sort of a direct line of what makes rock and roll so fun and like still so vital is all in bubblegum music i 100 percent agree and this is a point that i think is very important um, just it, so it's it's just it, it was like a it was bringing it back to sort of like pure rock music, but also pure pop, uh, and um, kind of I think people often that some people view pop the term pop is like a pejorative, but you know well there's good pop and bad pop just like there's good classical music and exactly, bad classical music exactly so fucking I th- beethoven <laughs> yeah, <No>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just joking <laughs> no he's cool uh yeah, yeah. i know those classical gangs i don't we don't want them like <laughs> knocking on the rv door yeah exactly um, but like yeah unless you listen to strictly classical and or jazz or like avant-garde music you're listening to pop so it doesn't matter if you're listening to king crimson or you're listening to uh the who or you're listening to led zeppelin or you're listening to sonic youth or you're listening to uh whoever i mean it's all a variation on pop music so i feel like this is this was not only it was for kids in that it was a pure distillation but it doesn't make the art form in anything it enhances it because it is just a pure it's just pure pop yeah absolutely and it's it's direct it's short and it needs to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah. And you need some smart songwriters and singers to accomplish that. And yeah. luckily, Joy Levine was both. So he wrote and recorded a demo of Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. Mm-hmm. Neil Bogart heard it, who was working at Buddha at the time. Neil Bogart, who later gave us Kiss and Donna Summer mm-hmm. through Casablanca Records. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this doesn't need to be re-recorded. I'm just going to release this as is. So it was supposed to be a demo for this band who were a real band called the Ohio Express. <laughs> and then the Ohio Express had to retroactively, because it became a big hit on the radio, it was out within like a week. Yeah. And the Ohio Express had to learn how to sing like Joey Levine and learn all of Joey Levine's songs when all those songs were being recorded and released by session musicians with Joey singing the leads in the studio. And I feel like that is a common theme that we may uh, delve about the Ohio Express. One, that it was the touring band that was the, the face, real Ohio Express. The real Ohio yeah. Express and the studio band were to, it were uh, totally different, um, which happens a lot in 60s music and bubblegum music. I mean, the Beach Boys was a great example around this time, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where he was working with the Wrecking Crew. For right. All Brian of, was the yeah, Joey Brian Levine. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And the the rest of the Beach Boys were pretty much just a touring band. But um, but uh, I make the distinction um, also because there were many cases in which the Ohio Express found out the night of a show that they have a hit 
song on the radio. Yes. <laughs> and that's what drove most of the original members to quit. Right. Is they didn't know this new song called Chewy Chewy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And these like teeny bopper girls, these like 12, 11 year old girls were like, play Chewy Chewy. Chewy. And they were like, we don't know that song. Yeah. So they felt like shams. But <laughs> apparently, they were living that rock and roll lifestyle for all of like the seven months that they could keep up the facade. Yeah. And it's still definitely something that. I'd love to develop a screenplay about the Ohio Express. I think it's a really good rock and roll story. Yeah, for I, for a screenplay like definitely. the band that didn't really exist, right? That was forced to be these guys, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of the crux of the Joey Levine story. So he was young. He was <laughs> writing a lot about. He was exper- writing a lot about his experiences with women. He was figuring himself out, you know, in terms of romantic relationships. Uh, so a lot of his songs are somewhat romantic. They A lot of them have sort of this really fun oral fixation. Chewy, chewy, yummy, yummy, all that <laughs> stuff. And then a lot of them, too, uh, have a lot of double entendres, you know, which is super, super fun. And he's... Um open about that he he doesn't deny it no he's said that was what it was all about yeah. you know they were writing this music for younger kids and they were teenagers and they were having fun it's like a spongebob or ren and stimpy for the 60s yeah absolutely and that being said i think that we should listen to your song which is like actually a really quintessential bubblegum song yes so this wasn't a single for the ohio express this is an album track for the ohio express but it yep. was a single for the music explosion with the same backing track and then, you know, a different vocal on top. Because this is how these people operated. These thieves and charlatans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we could talk about more stuff like that. But, uh, oh, Louis going to play it on the vinyl. Oh, yeah. This is actually the first vinyl yeah. that's ever been played out of the uh, new RV. The new really? Pacus RV. Wow. And yeah. it's also the first vinyl we've ever played on our show. So this is a big day. And let's just say it right now. What's happening on Wednesday, Louis? On on Wednesday, oh, it's my birthday! Yeah, yeah this is my birthday show. I'm being really self indulgent <laughs> and talking about my favorite my favorite of song. Of course. All right, here we go. So this is um, "Yes Sir" by the quote unquote Ohio Express. Hi, I'm Chicken Little. I don't care who you are. Get your beak out of my popcorn. Oh my gosh, those proto-punk nasally vocals could only come from Joey Levine. And that sweet raw sound could only come from Louis' vinyl collection. Yeah, that was played right off of the original vinyl. It was sounding really good. Yeah, off that uh, Ohio Express Chewy Chewy was yeah. the record. Kyle's looking at it right now, and there's yeah. a picture of the touring Five Ohio guys. Express yeah. <laughs> who are surrounded by a creepy mouth. <laughs> yeah, and I like that mouth. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. We're gonna, I think we're going to take some pictures with these records after, and we'll post them on our Instagram. Follow us at Kick the Jukebox. Sweet. Um, so, yeah. So, Kyle, why did you want to... I, I actually want to preface this by saying what I did is I just sent Kyle a bunch of Joey singles yep. and songs that I thought were important Joey songs. Yeah. And he chose this one to talk about. Why do you <laughs> like this song so much? I mean, the song itself is funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that intro that two three second 
little thing where like, hey, I'm Chicken Little. I don't care who you are. Get your hands out. Get your, well, no, I don't care who you are. Get your beak out of my popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's real weird and funny. That is like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, Well, we're going to have to listen to this whole pr- record all the way through at some point because there's little interstitials like that throughout the I entire have, record. I have. I was listening to it all. There's so many. The one where Superman gets stuck in a, in a uh, phone, booth. phone booth. I got fu- stuck in the phone booth. Yeah. But, I mean, not to go too much on a tangent, but that my, I think... The essence. So we're both comedians. Uh, I do a lot of kind of characters in my act, mm-hmm. and the essence of my comedic sensibility I've discovered in the last few uh, months is uh, I-, I love the throwaway lines. You know, yes. and yeah. I don't need to know who Chicken Little is here. No. I don't know. Need to know who this Brooklyn guy is. <laughs> it's in those three hilarious. It's just funny in and of itself and um and it doesn't you know it's that's great comedy and that voice of like okay who yeah get your beak out of my popcorn i know <laughs> it, it it's, it's so funny that's actually why i love <sighs> bubblegum so much is that it was clearly these guys who were having so much fun yes exactly and and that's something that joey said to me in my interview with him is he said you know it was really fun he was like we were just we just needed to write and write and write so it was a lot of hanging out with friends then at the end of the night someone would be working on something on the piano uh we were always thinking of new ideas for songs and he felt at the time that writing in the bubblegum style was really helpful because it made him very focused as to what he needed to be doing. Yeah. So it made it easier for him to write for this style as opposed to it being harder for him to write. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, he was taking a lot of nursery rhyme ideas and yeah. candy and food. And there's a song that I love called Nothing Sweeter Than My Baby where the first line is, baby, you're hotter than a bowl of soup, which <laughs> I think is very sexy. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's the thing about him. He has this sort of punk i don't give a fuck sneer to yeah. his singing right that definitely and you know influenced and they've said this but like the entire first wave of punk oh yeah was very much influenced by this the songwriting styles and also his i think his delivery specifically vocally and nothing ex- nothing else sounded like it like i remember the first time not you know the first time i heard yummy yummy yeah it's I remember distinct. where I was. I'm not kidding. I like remember the first time I heard Yummy Yummy. I was like, what the fuck is this? How old were you? Do you remember? I was at camp and someone yep. played it for like a little sk- uh, skit they were doing. Yep. And I was like, what the fuck is this yeah, song? It's weird. Yeah. It it's is so weird. It's all really <laughs> strange and it almost borders. It almost all feels like outsider art. Yeah. And it was outsider art written for like 10-year-olds. Right. And that's what's so great about a lot of bubblegum. And a lot of bubblegum that isn't Joey written Mm. is very saccharine Mm. and very just sort of meandering. Yeah. And that's stuff that I have a very good knowledge of, but I don't care a lot about. Uh Uh-huh. But there, and there is a lot of other stuff that I really love that's bubblegum related that I'll talk about in other episodes, but pretty much everything that Joey Levine wrote, I really love. Um, there's a few duds here and there that I don't care about. There's one song called Peanuts oh, from yeah, an album. Supposed to, supposedly had been saying penis. It's just, it totally sounds like penis, but the <laughs> song is boring. So it's <laughs> like, oh, Joey, why wasn't this in a song that really hit hard, you know? Uh-huh. So like this song is a good example of um, 
This is what uh, nursery rhyme is this? This is oh um, yes sir yes sir three, three bags, bags full, full. Yeah. yeah, which he's taken and made into this killer good sweet little pop song. Yeah, and there's my favorite time he ever did this um, is he sings a song he wrote a song and sings it called Mercy. It was for the Ohio Express and it's um, the chorus is Alouetta. Yeah, yeah. to Plumeretta, and yeah. it's like hits real hard. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think um, w- one thing I was thinking too is like that use of um, kind of uh, nursery rhymes as the structure of a pop song works really well because nursery rhymes they are they they have like a simple little melody that gets stuck in your head like a great pop song should. Um, and then I was listening. I've been listening to a lot of reggae the past few months. And that happens a lot in reggae because, uh, you know, um, especially Yellow Man, if you go back and listen to Yellow Man, he... That's interesting. Yeah, he, you know, the the culture of toasting and, um, you know, you have a backing track and you're just performing for the crowd, you know, to get him into it, something you know everyone's going to be down and know is, like, he'll throw an old McDonald into, like, a song and make it, like, cool and stuff, so... (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Kyle. Cool. No, I'm yeah, no. no, no, no. It's totally true, and it's it's a shared culture that accesses something that we all know and we all understand. Yeah. You know, that's something we all learn is these is these rhymes. So yeah. why not use them to sell a bunch of records to ten year olds? Hell yeah. <laughs> so that being said, yep. now I want to branch off a little bit, and this is a song that is from I think it's from like. 69 it's from slightly later and it was mm. still published uh by buddha records um and it's called oh sweet love and it was published under the name gideon although once <laughs> again it's just joey levine and, and the session musicians <laughs> yeah but this one still is very much in that bubblegum style something that i think is very joey is he does a rising chord progression followed by a lowering chord progression that feels like it's a bit of a it gives it gives a bit of a snap hmm. but what he's doing in the song listen for it i think it's great is he is making a accessible bubblegum song out of Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech which i think is so cool and i love it so we're going to listen to like half of I think we're going to listen to this all the way through to the bridge because the br- I want to talk about the bridge as well. Here's Oh Sweet Love by Gideon, a.k.a. Joey Levine. <laughs> Okay, so I just wanted to play through to that bridge. <laughs> wow. Because um, the bridge is like a soul breakdown. Yeah, seriously. And he, uh, you know, at the end of the WFUV interview, the question is, tell us something you don't think people would know about you. And his answer is, I'm a soul singer. <laughs> and I agree with that. Yeah, that's he, so interesting. Yeah, I think that he really uh, could be very impassioned when he wanted to be and like really do some cool stuff vocally Hmm. that is very soulful and and grandiose and big. Yeah. Um, I just love it. And I think that this song for him, and this is just me conjecturing, but it feels like it comes from the heart. Yeah. It's not a completely like 
lovey-dovey kind of like fake hippie song of mm-hmm. which there were a lot of and it's right. also not definitely not like a highly political screed mm. but it's definitely right in the middle and if this was intended for a younger audience it is dealing with race relations in a way that they could understand and i love that about this song true yeah, yeah. and it feels to me um it didn't it feels to me more, less that oh um like uh you know I it, it felt less like first he had to write a hippie like his first impulse was to write a hippie song and get people to, into it because it's a um you know hippie progressive song this feels to me like he heard that speech and was I- and was influenced to go out and write this song I mean it didn't happen back to back obviously but I mean like it, it it you know, does that make sense? It, it doesn't Absolutely. feel like his first impulse was to write a hippie song. It was like this this inspires me, and that you know he 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 went from there. No, I totally agree, and it's interesting because a lot of people feel like this was anti hippie music. Mm-hmm. That this was very very commercial, and yeah. that this was very planned and calculated but a lot of hippie music was totally commercial they just yeah it was just a yeah it was a put on yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely and they were able to get a lot of subtly political messages into these records for very young people right and i don't know if i could argue that these records made those young people more progressive uh-huh. but it certainly couldn't have hurt right that's yeah, what i'm definitely. gonna say about it and yeah. there, there's a really great song from it's a joey song from the uh Kaznitz and cats super circus album which we're gonna start talking about that's called governor regan okay that is like that one is pretty angry and is about um ronald reagan oh yes 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 and then it was like covered by like punk bands like 20 years later yeah, yeah. because of what happened yeah. because that <laughs> that you know film star became the president yes um you know so yeah so I think that there's a lot more going on with what Joey Levine gave to the world of pop music than is often discussed and and is often dealt with sort of in like the bigger discourse. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of cool people who really loved him and who got what was going on with bubblegum music, including the Ramones. Yeah. It's a longstanding rumor that I've only read in one place that (laughs) Joey Ramone named himself after Joey Levine. So I don't know how true that is, but I do know that they loved the Ohio Express. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And they covered two bubblegum songs. They covered Indian Giver, which was originally by 1910 Fruit Gum Company. Yep. And they covered Little Bit of Soul, Mm -hmm. uh, which was originally by the Music Explosion. And both of those songs were produced by K&K. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Talking Heads covered 123 Red Light, which was by 1910 Fruit Gum Company yeah. as well. And also appears on uh, this Ohio Express <laughs> album, too. It does. On <laughs> Chewy Chewy, it yeah. appears. That's just that's what they would do for filler, is they just record other band singles that are on their roster and it's exactly the same backing track with just Joey's vocals over top. Yeah. That's all it is. Walk into the beautiful world of weird, weird bubblegum. Yeah, and 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 Simon Says is on this too. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Which was also a big hit for the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. Yes. Over 
the break over the Christmas break, I was home in Calgary with my parents and we ended up listening to some Joey Levine in the car. And my mom was like, I'm surprised this isn't 1910 fruit gum company. And I was just like, it's just all the same people. (laughs) It's all the same. It is like, it's just another, and it also, it totally fits into, I kind of love their like shameless, um, commercialism yeah because sh- it's so it's it, like they know who are they kidding like it's like very fast and disposable right but there's something about that that makes it really charming yes and there's a lovableness to it and you know this is something i want to say before we get into the last song is that this is not the first time i've talked about joey levine <laughs> you know like in terms of doing a little project about him i wrote a musical that is going to be going to be doing some like performance stuff around it this year that's called Joey and Ron that's um very much like it's like, like an Archie's parody musical yeah and I wrote a song for it that's specifically a love letter to Joey there's a few songs in it that love letter to Joey but there's one that's called gooey gooey <laughs> uh, that I I'm very proud of yay um and I named one of the main characters after Joey Levine so, I mean, that was a big, big, big project and it's still this ongoing project. And I started that like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I was on Chris Franz's radio show talking about bubblegum music in like 2010, I think, or so. I've written a lot about these guys for Rebeat Magazine. Yeah. And I still only feel like I've scratched the surface. <laughs> I, whenever I think I've really exhausted how many songs this dude wrote, I go onto YouTube and I find like five more that I've never heard. <laughs> it's just this never-ending trove of productivity from the time right right. and there's something about it and pardon the pun but i feel like this music is going to stick with me for the rest of my life (laughs) sorry kyle i apologize i'm fired (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's something about it that there's an innocence to it and a directness that and a but but a complexity as well that just really works for me and my aesthetic and you know, I love I love punk music. I love new wave, and feel like so much of that started like 15 years earlier than we think it did, and it all started like with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's so charming, part of that charm to me is, and it, and it is built into that, uh, you know, sort of raw commercialism, the need for productivity, disposableness, um, is just like there's no pretense and there's no pretension. Um, yeah, which I think you find on a lot of other music of the time, and then a lot of rock music that pretends to not be pop music, but it totally, is, but it, it is pop music. Yeah, yeah, and this was what it was exactly. And, and yeah, critics, yeah. people didn't understand it. They just didn't understand that it was just rock and roll. You know, well, I think they like, did understand it, but they didn't, or they understood. They understood that it was for kids, but they couldn't. Uh, understand anything beyond that yeah like made them mad that it was you know not sophisticated right like, right like like 12 year old girls were supposed to be listening to like tangerine dream or whatever right 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 like, right, right, right. like whatever let the kids have their music yes. you know youth culture forever youth culture until i die mm. <laughs> i know anyway <laughs> so the last song we're going to talk about together we're going to close off this broadcast with is uh called quick joey small Mm -hmm. it was the single from the kaznitz and cats super circus record the super circus record is a record that boasts it's a super group it boasts all of the bands that were in their stable on the cover it boasts um 1910 room company ohio express shadows of night music explosion professor morrison's lollipop 
But really, all that this record was is it's primarily Joey Levine and Artie Resnick writing a very straight-ahead pop record that was all recorded by the same musicians. And this is the closest, this record, if you're interested in Joey Levine as a songwriter and you don't want to go searching for all the singles, the Kaz and It's Cats Super Circus record is the one that really showcases his versatility and really shows him as a as a well-rounded, interesting songwriter. There's some good ballads on here. There's a very theatrical song on here that almost feels kind of concept album albumy operatic it has a ripoff mad magazine cover <laughs> that is one of the ugliest covers in the history of time <laughs> and space but it's so fascinating i'm it looking at it right now and we'll take a picture and post it on our instagram so check it out yes we will um but it features a sword swallower who's stabbing himself through the neck yeah it's violent there's a there's a superhero that says super k there's a fake alfred e newman on it with a 1910 fruit gum company balloon <laughs> there's a fake ed sullivan on it it's uh. a it's a real weird record cover <laughs> yeah it's fa- it's 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 you can't look away yeah you really can't <laughs> look away it's real ago <laughs> um, but this song is like of anything we're playing today, this lays down the template for punk, right? For sure. You say? Oh yeah, and I hear. I mean, we could talk about, but I hear. I I listened to this and I heard, uh, both melodically and in terms of the sound of his voice, I heard Joey Ramone. Yes, and let's see if you can hear Joey Ramone while we listen to "Quick Joey Small" by Kazanitz Cats Super Circus. Okay, all right. <laughs> so that's Quick Joey Small. <laughs> oh, so great. Oh, man. So that's a really good little, um, like, also kind of a nursery rhymey song. Yeah, yeah. Um, run, Joey, Joey, run, run. Feels a lot like like C. Dick Run, like Run, Jane, run. Okay. But it's also about a jailbreak. Yeah. And it's about a sheriff who's going to shoot shoot this, this yeah, convict. You usually don't hear uh, Got a Shotgun going to you, fill you with lead in a children's song. No, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a rough song. And yeah. it was considered a bubblegum song. It's covered by the Cramps. Oh. Not a surprise. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, totally. So it's interesting, right? Yeah, definitely. And and, uh, and how do you think it sounds like Joey Ramone? What do you think? Well, the vo- the vocal inflection, like uh, w- I-, I was thinking, um, I- I'm thinking specifically of the Ramones cover of "Bird Is the Word." Oh yeah, totally. I mean, he's, he's doing an exact Joey. He's doing. He sounds just like Joey Levine on this, and that. I mean, Bird is the Word is kind of like a bubblegum adjacent song. Oh, and, very much so. And, oh, uh, yeah. That's like proto-gum, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I definitely hear that. And, um, yeah, that that's what that's what immediately jumped to my mind. Ugh, I love it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, this is absolutely one of my favorites. And, once again, really good use of 
and this was in the Gideon song as well, of these very soulful backup singers. Yeah, that yeah. That definitely sort of draw this a little bit more towards a bit more of a soul R&B feel to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which is r- really interesting considering how like white people <laughs> considered bubblegum music right. when a lot of the people behind the scenes a lot of the musicians involved were people of color mm-hmm. you know who were uh, on the new york scene playing right. and singing this music yeah, yeah. definitely um, so yeah it's interesting and and it and it is what you were saying it's like does have a bit of a rougher edge but um i think that's what sort of led to that early ramon style punk is that um and and what people forget is that like a lot of that punk was just sped up pop songs with uh you know less of a sheen yeah you know? turn turn that record up like a few rotations and it just sounds like a speedy ramon song right and that being said i hope that we've drawn a successful <laughs> line for <laughs> for all of our listeners from joey levine's uh bubblegum songwriting to pop legitimacy <laughs> um, yeah we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we because it's uh it, it wasn't legitimate until we uh brought the talking heads in so that's right yeah. that's right yes it wasn't art <laughs> it wasn't it's not art until you bring in the talking heads yeah. amen brother <laughs> so yeah uh i love joy levine very much uh Joey Levine knows this. <laughs> Joy Levine, if you're listening to this episode, if you end up listening to it, I hope you enjoy it. Um, and, you know, shout out to, like, everybody that drew me to this music in the first place. Um, yeah, there's a really, really great radio show called, um, I think it's called Bubblegum OD that's mm. out of L.A. That if you want to listen to more good bubblegum music, there's a really great bubblegum podcast that's called uh oh uh, echo valley i think it's called echo valley yeah yeah the I was podcast. To that. yeah echo valley it's yeah. great yeah uh if you like if you want to learn more about this music and it's literally unending the amount of bubblegum singles from like 66 to like 75 right there's like i have like i have I think of 12 hours of bubblegum music on my hard drive at right home. so it's just it's just unending and it's it's a really really fun genre to explore for sure and and nothing else quite sounds like it Nothing else sounds like good gum. Yeah. Mm, yum, yum, yum. Chewy, chewy, yummy, yummy. Yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> so, Kyle, uh, where can we see you, you know, the next few weeks? What were you doing? Um, You can catch me on Monday at the Magnet Theater at 9 p.m. We're doing the Night of 50 Characters. Oh, I love uh, it. So 50 of New York's best performers from all around the scene are going to be doing a character. Uh, then I'm performing at Rebecca's on Thursday the 10th. Uh, gonna do some characters. Great show there. Uh, the st- uh, show's called Stacy. And then on the 12th, uh, which is a Saturday, I believe, I'm doing another show. Can't remember what it is, but I'm in a show. Oh my gosh. Check Kyle out on social media and you'll yeah, find all his shows. Exactly. And I'm actually performing in the LGBTQ show right after Kyle at the Magnet. Oh! I'm performing in Thank You for Coming Out, oh, yes, which yes, is like yes. such a joy of a show. Yes, great. So if you come to the Magnet tomorrow, Magnet yeah, you'll Theater. You'll see one of us. You can ask us all about Joey Levine. Yeah, at 9 o'clock to uh, 11.30 is like the Kyle and Louie block. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which is totally fun. As it should always be. Yeah, and then I have a show with my hip-hop improv team, Robopop, on the 25th of january at the pit and then we've got another one that's on the 29th of january so we're both busy little boys this oh, month busy little boys <laughs> and you can follow us uh at kick the jukebox on instagram 
you can follow us on Facebook, Kick the Jukebox. Check us out our you know show page at kpiss.fm. Look at old archives, stuff like that. And thanks to everybody that's been listening and saying that we're doing a good job. It's very <laughs> validating. <laughs> yep. And uh, coming up, we'll probably keep an eye out because uh, now we're going to have this uh, file, so it won't just be a radio. We're going back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we, can we announce in, that? Yeah, it's in the works is yeah. that we're going to also be podcasting this again as well. Yep. So we're figuring out how that's all going to work out. But uh, yeah, uh, keep an thank eye you out. for listening to Kick the Jukebox. Continue to listen to Kick the Jukebox. I'm Louis Perlman. And I'm Kyle Gordon. All right, see you around like a record. Talking about music all the time.